Hey, welcome back to another episode of the Who Dat Jedi podcast and uh, another Tuesday edition. We switched to recording on Tuesdays because, you know, we don't want to be a week behind on the Mandalorian stuff. So, um, you know, we can't go to trivia right now because COVID. So thanks, Obama. But anyway, no, (laughs) that's my one political joke for the day. Um, All right. But as always, I am Aaron here with you. And to my left is Dave. Hello. And to his left is Fredo. Hello. And uh, yes, so we're here to uh, talk more Star Wars goodness. But first, we are the Hoot at Jedi podcast. Can we believe what <laughs> happened on Sunday? Oh, my dear Lord. The Saints, like, not just beat the Bucks. I mean, I remember Brittany and I were watching the Bucks play New York last week. And we're like, you know what this shows me? It shows me that Tampa Bay is vulnerable. You know, we beat them the first game, but I was like, this shows them the... I didn't know they were that vulnerable. Holy cow. We made Tampa Bay cry. 38-3. to Did you guys see that coming? Nope. <laughs> you know, I didn't, but uh, there was a really good point that somebody brought up after the fact, which was that Tampa Bay was missing a lineman that they had had the previous, like, seven weeks or whatever. And so when the line looked was all like a jumbled mess in week one against the saints. Uh, they looked terrible. Um, and then, you know, circle back around. Now they had to shuffle people around and then they look terrible again. Are, are you, I mean, are you trying to make Tampa Bay fans feel good about themselves right now? I mean, yeah, I mean maybe, Dave, maybe a little, I mean, maybe Dave, what, what happened to, I thought NFL was all about the next man up mentality. You know, it's like, you know, I don't know. <laughs> what happens to the saints when they start dropping linemen you know uh, i i I was at the university of nebraska when we won the national championship when we were on our fourth string quarterback it was actually at kansas state that matt turman played no it was yeah matt turman then it was he was third string and then uh like a week later we had to have monte cristo kid from Kearney, Nebraska play because Matt Terman hurt something while Tommy Frazier had blood clots and Brooke Barringer had a punctured lung and we still won the national championship. So, you know, Tampa Bay had a lineman down. I'm so sorry (laughs) to all of our Florida friends. No, I'm not sorry. Anyway, but no, that was just a, a great saints game though. And if I, it'd be nice if the saints could play that way for the rest of the season, but I don't think they probably will. Because it's the Saints. Well, I have to say, it's interesting. They either play up or play down to their competition, but they are getting healthier. I mean, this was the first game back with the whole full complement of linemen, full complement of wide receivers, you know, uh, full, you know, outside of what long term, you know, Michael Thomas was back, he played, Emmanuel Sanders was back. So, once you start getting all your players back and on the same page, you look a whole, we look a whole different team. And uh, really the question becomes, is there anybody that you fear going into? And I'm just like, okay, maybe I don't want to go to play Green Bay in January. Maybe I don't want to go play Seattle in January. But outside of that, eh, bring them all. Sorry, I wish that first, there's two things I want to say. First of all, I wish this was a video podcast right now because Lucy's trying to photobomb. It is just awesome. <laughs> if Dave was to move his camera just a little bit, we'd have Lucy, you know, doing the German Shepherd. Look right, look, she's checking out everything. Um, but uh, 
No, and I have to apologize, Dave. I was just being kind of a pain in your butt because it does. It's <laughs> like I don't care about that whole next man up mentality thing is bull because it's like you take one cog out of a system that you're used to and it's like dancing with your sister. It's just, you know, it, it ain't yeah. going to be it ain't going to be the same. So it falls apart on you real quick. But um, it fell but... apart on Tom Brady big time. So <laughs> and he was not happy about it. I, you know, I'm all for it. You know, the only negative that I would bring up is that uh, over the last four four seasons, um, the Saints have peaked too early in the season. Yeah, and and they're not at full strength when the playoffs roll around because of injuries or their level of play has leveled off or even dropped a little bit, and then they end up going into the playoffs, and then we know what happens. So. I just I don't want them to peak too early. That's that's my only my only worry here. But they're they're in a great position now. It's it's a huge one. They're first in the NFC now. Yeah, it's and the goofy thing is because of the nature of this season, you really can't tell what you're gonna get between now and the end of the regular season. I mean, it could be we go off <laughs> we go off on a big old run, we meander up and down. Like there's there's still teams in our schedule that I, we should fear, but uh, other than that, uh, look, I'm happy where we're at. Just put it that way. What a what a good Sunday night football game, though. I mean, it was just it was just fun. So, uh, however, I will say this: <clears throat> um, we we you know we now have AT and T TV, which is streaming TV, which means mm-hmm. that we have to stay off Twitter, and I have to alert all of my family. Wait. 30 to 40 seconds before you send me a text about, you know, yay, touchdown or woohoo or, you know, first down because like we've gotten those before where it's like Britt looks at Twitter and goes, dang it. I'm like, what? So I, I know what, I know what happens. <laughs> so we have to totally stay off Twitter, like, or at least have a 30 second delay. Uh, so anyway, thanks AT&T. But anyway. Same. Yeah. I'm in the yeah. same boat, but you know, it's, you adjust first yeah. world problems, right? That's right. But I, I, I've adequately scolded my family, said, you know, don't send it. Stop before you send a text. Wait just a little bit. Wait till the next play. So anyway, well, that's that's the Saint stuff. So we've got uh, San Francisco, a beat up San Francisco on Sunday. Um, so, time. yeah, but uh, a trap game. If you ever, you know, if you ever thought, you know, saw one coming, you know, it's at the dome. San Francisco has tormented them a little bit over the years. So they, they should be motivated. All right. So, well, let's kick into the star Wars stuff. We're going to be talking mainly tonight about Mandalorian chapter 10, right? Mm -hmm. Um, you know, or, you know, Mando's guide to parenting. Um, so, and, uh, and spider repellent, but we will talk more about that in a little bit, but first let's do trivia. We're back to the, um, trivial pursuit DVD star Wars saga edition. And let's just pause for a second. Cause I, I don't, you know, some, I do play the jeopardy theme on this. I can't remember. Yes. <laughs> I, play the prices. I actually play the prices. Yeah, that's what I thought price is right. But we have to pause for a second. Let's just, you know, uh, raise a glass to Alex Trebek. Um, poor, old, poor one for my homie. It, however, one of the best memes I saw was that you know Sean Connery and Alex Trebek are up there right now. <laughs> um, so an old Saturday Night Live skit. But uh, no, that's uh, that was that was a sad bit of news this week. 
Um, so we'll, this is in honor of uh, Alex Trebek. So let's get some Star Wars trivia. Um, who, who got hosed last week? Was it? Yo. It was Fredo. It was all right. Fredo. All right. All right. Well, I'm going to give you an Ewoks question then, Fredo. All right. What structure do Ewok scouts show the rebels the quickest route to? Oh, that'll be the uh, Star Shield Generator. The, the Shield Generator. All right. Do you feel better now? <laughs> <laughs> not really. No, not really. Uh, but that's all right. I've, I've made my peace with it. All right. And I didn't give the, the people at home long enough to uh, get their answer in, but th- that was just an easy one. That was the first one that I saw, too. That's my rule. The first one I see is what I give. So, Dave, to you, who assures Luke Skywalker there will be no bargain? <laughs> Ooh, this is kind of tricky because your gut reaction. Yeah. Okay. At least my gut reaction. Yeah. Oh, well, um, I, you know, for me, it's Jabba the Hutt. It, that's the answer they have on here as well, but I, I disagree. Because doesn't Bib Fortuna tell him first, Jabba says no bargain? Oh, well, he does say that. Yeah, he, yeah, he says that. Uh, but no, it's okay. Like the, in, the exact okay. This is in quotation it's in marks. Right? Or, well, this is this is in quotation marks. There will be yeah. no bargain. Okay, so I will cut true pursuit saga edition a little bit of slack. But if you would have said Bib Fortuna, I would have given it to you, and I would have argued about it at trivia. Um, so I don't know if I've ever mentioned that on this podcast before. Uh, the Jorga trivia? No, the yeah. Well, the, the where I about got thrown out of you know. Uh, you know, third Tuesday night trivia, because here was the question and I'll see what you guys think about it. You can tweet at us and, you know, contact us on social media about this, but here was the question. I'll never forget it. Um, harvested from the planet Jetta, kyber crystals are used to power what star Wars weapon. See, and I'm letting you all pause. Fredo knows because Fredo was there when I threw a fit. Dave, have I, yes. have I ran this by you before? You, you, yeah, you told me this story. I mean, because it's obviously, I went, and so I went up, I was like, it's two answers. I said, because the Death Star, they use kyber crystals to power the Death Star laser. And then kyber crystals are also used to power lightsabers. And I gave a whole dissertation to Carly, the trivia jockey, and she was like, you know, kind of go with the, I, what I would recommend is you go with the less geeky answer, the one that most people would know. I'm like, you referenced Rogue One. And I wrote on the answer sheet, I said, since you referenced Rogue One and Jetta when Death Star was the main character of that, I'm putting Death Star. We got it wrong. So I was really, really mad. All right. So now it's time for my trivia question. I'm all fired up. What two planets? I hope there are two answers. Yeah, right. What two planets are the? Well, there are. Okay, because there's two planets. What two planets are the sites of battles between Darth Maul and Qui Gon Jinn? So. Oh. Yeah, I know this is kind of an Ewoks question, right? <laughs> so, mm-hmm. the first one is Tatooine, and the second one would be Naboo. Ding ding ding. Got it right. So there's our trivia. And get off my lawn, Aaron, is going to calm down now a little bit until we talk Mandalorian. (laughs) No, actually, I'm not going to go too nuts over it. 
But uh, all right, but we got a whole slew of news. Wait, wait, are you doing the Super Mario Kart or no Super Mario Brothers Star? No, but I got to tell you guys this. Um, I actually playing Super Mario uh, Super Mario Brothers 35, where it's you know the Super Mario Brothers Battle Royale. I was right. actually the last man standing uh, a couple days ago, and so hey. I was the last man standing. I was like, I, and I'm sitting there in my living room, and I said, I won. And from Britt's library, she goes, Great. <laughs> but i t- i took a picture of the tv and everything and i was so excited but yeah i was the last man standing on super mario brothers 35 so i got got that nice. going for me it's not quite beating mike tyson but uh um and but however sometime i will do still want to do the star wars traffic report you know <laughs> but anyway all right anyway, fredo over to you for the news Okay, let's see. We'll start off with kind of the easy stuff first. Um, they were interviewing uh, Leslie Headland, who is the that's showrunner. For- oh, sorry. Oh. No, that's Leslie. <laughs> uh, she's the showrunner who created Netflix Russian Doll. Earlier in the year, it was announced that she was going to be developing a female-centric Star Wars series for Disney+. Plus. So uh, Deadline, I believe, reported that the the show that she's going to be working on is a female-driven action thriller with martial arts element set in an alternate timeline from the usual Star Wars universe. So, again, martial arts thriller, so different from the whole space western, wandering Ronin that the Mandalorian has, uh, females act, female-driven, and alternate timeline. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that they're setting it in a whole alternate universe from Star Wars. It just means a period of uh, what that we have not met, uh, seen so far. So naturally the rumors started, well, does that mean it's going to be after the sequels? Is it going to be before the prequels? Is it could, could it potentially be to coincide with the High Republic, which is kicking off next year? Uh, hold on. And then, there, then from that interview, she also indicated, uh, and I'll have a few quotes here from her, because they were talking to her about it. She says, I would say it's in the pocket of the universe, in the pocket of the timeline that we don't know much about. That's what I can say. I mean, she's being honest. She can't really you know, break the embargo that Lucasfilms put on her. But she also says, for me, it's less about going through the Star Wars universe cinematically or artistically. Instead, coming through it geographically and going on a literal journey. She basically says, uh, her Bible, so to speak, the essential atlas of Star Wars. So, looking, uh, opening it up, looking at the galaxy and the planets that we've seen and the places we've seen, and kind of going, you know, something unique, something new. So, so do, do you? Do, so, a the, there are two things that came to my mind: is that a mm-hmm. <clears throat> this could totally be um, Jedi, you know, and just maybe a you know, a different, because they all have different fighting styles and stuff like that. But would this also be a way to bring, you know, the solo made reference to Tarascasi? Would they, would this be a way to make that even more of a thing? What was, that was from what, uh, Knights of the Old Republic? Uh, no, Tarascasi was its own video game. Oh, its own video game. That's right. Its own thing. It was a failed, this was back there in the Street Fighter 2 Mortal Kombat race and Everybody had to have their own video game. So LucasArts designed a Star Wars fighting game 
to put you behind Han Solo against Darth Vader. But I mean, <laughs> I mean, good luck. You, you, it very, it, you very well could do that. I mean, I mean, it's like, to, and just make it. It's because they made reference to it in Solo. I don't know. Right. Exactly. I, and my thoughts went immediately to cheer it, but I know this is a female-led series, but we've seen an example of someone who is gifted with the Force um, engaging in hand-to-hand combat that doesn't involve a lightsaber. So um, this could be an extension of that, maybe a Guardian of the Wills kind of tie-in of some kind. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, from the top, the top of my head, what, what popped in really was something kind of less Mandalorian, but it's more, more Kung Fu, the TV show, with David Carradine, you know, mm-hmm. you, know, you know, going from town to town, solving problems. I don't know if that necessarily is anywhere near it, because obviously when you start discussing sections of the galaxy we haven't seen, you're using the Atlas as your guide, and she's even referencing that she's mapping it out, Raiders of the Lost Ark style, where you go, okay, we go from here, and then you draw the red line to this point, then you go to this point. So that's kind of what popped in my head first. And then the idea of an of a different section of time that we've seen before, it opens it up because you're not necessarily beholden to, well, where does this fall? Has has Luke uh, you know met Ben or has Riz Ray still on? Uh, Jakku, you know, it could be, it's, you're free to do whatever. You know, your, your point about the high Republic is that, that fits that line of thought that you're going through at right now, because they talk about, you know, like the different types of Jedi that, you know, they're going to have the, you know, the old West, you know, um, kind of martial type Jedi. And then you're, I mean, so they're already talking about the different, like I said, just the different, um, I guess, ways of approaching, you know, the Jedi order. So I mean, it right. could very well it, it could very well be a kung fu type of a thing where it's this is the way we deal with situations out here, you know. So yeah. well, because I mean, and I just, just to kind of finish off, I mean, it, even in the Mandalorian, I mean, we're accustomed to Star Wars being a narrative that's not stuck to one place. This isn't kind of like say Game of Thrones where. Everybody's around the five, six same cities, and a few people are on about. This is, oh, we're traveling from one edge of the galaxy to the other. We eventually pop into go back to places we've seen before, but those are kind of rare treats. You're mostly going where you haven't been. So that idea of wandering, of traveling, of seeking adventures built into the narrative of Star Wars. So I'd be surprised if they're the first show that kind of buckled that trend. Uh, speaking of adventure, right quick, I'll just mention that there was an interview role with um, the head of Electronic Arts. Uh, Disney signed a deal with Electronic Arts uh, about seven years ago for developing video, Star Wars video games. And they're talking to them about how they're still apparently interested in continuing that relationship, even if they don't necessarily sign a, uh, an exclusive deal. Uh, a lot of this stuff's coming up right now because... The holidays are coming out. The PlayStation Five literally is dropping on our, you no, know, on our feed right now. The new Xbox coming out, and everybody's trying to order all this stuff for Christmas. So uh, they already mentioned that they're developing a sequel to Jedi Fallen Order. They had apparently really good success with Squadrons. I know that we were kind of hesitant about Star Wars Squadrons, but apparently both critics and fans liked it enough. So there's an interesting. Uh, 
dynamic there. And so uh, CEO Andrew Wilson says, we have a tremendous relationship with Disney and with Lucasfilm. Uh, we got a relationship that goes all the way back to Star Wars, The Old Republic, back in 2011. And we're going to double down on that partnership. And Disney continues to be very committed to the IP and to the canon. So uh, it's interesting because uh, it did not start off well. I mean, this, it, they rushed Star Wars Battlefront to meet the Force Awakens deadline. Battlefront 2 became a bigger disaster, the kind of which they're still picking themselves off the floor from. And then uh, they've had a number of projects and uh, games designed that have kind of crashed and burned to the side, thanks to EA, the NEA. And, uh, but what, you know, recently they've gotten better. I mean, Jedi Fallen Order, everybody loved. Squadrons, people are liking. So it indicates maybe they've turned a corner around somewhat. You guys are bigger gamers than me. It's it's really kind of difficult to screw up a Star Wars game, though, wouldn't it be? Uh, you would think so, but it, I mean, I mean that not, just seems like low hanging fruit. Look, you know, I think the nature it's the nature of the beast, by which I mean not Star Wars, the video game industry. The video game industry, kind of like any other industry, kind of goes through its cycles. Uh, right over the last decade, the cycle that they're on is a live. Uh, always on, always online, service-based model where rather than you picking up a game one time, playing it in your system, and then, okay, I'm done with it, it's a game that you're living with for the next decade. They're always talking about decade-long plans of we're always going to be releasing upgrades. We're going to be releasing new, uh, uh, new content, new missions, new characters. The problem with that is nobody really has managed to show how to do that right. Like right. the best example I can just give you recently is uh, uh, Crystal Dynamics and Sony put out Marvel's Avengers, and that game's already crashing uh, as of last week because fans are like, "Okay, you released it full of bugs, you released it with half the content we thought you're gonna get, and now people have gotten played everything there was to play. It's a re- it's a you're just repeatedly doing the same thing over and over. I'm bored. Moving on, moving on to the next thing." Mm-hmm. You know, there's another thing, too, that there's this truism in the video game industry, which is that if it's a licensed property, buckle up. Um, mm-hmm. you, may, you may get something great. You may get something not so great because they blew their wad. <laughs> that goes all the way back to Atari life. launching E.T. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and that old Empire Strikes Back game on the Atari. And I mean, there's a long history of rough games not just attached to the star wars license but license uh, properties in general so um that's i mean that in and of itself is a reason to be like well that's why they can't get it right because through history people haven't been able to get it right but um right. Uh, you know i i agree with what you said fredo like maybe they're on the upswing and maybe that's okay that you know they're talking about re-upping but it just the track record isn't so great, and uh, I can understand why people are nervous. Yeah, I mean, it's it's not the kind of thing where you go and say, well, who could do better? Because I'll be honest, any major video game corporation on the level of Electronic Arts, it, you know, whether it's Activision, Blizzard, or anybody else, is going to be behaving in a similar nature. They're going to be looking at it at, look, we're investing hundreds of millions of dollars on this. We want a return on that investment. And it's a lot easier to just put out a game and then just 
keep patching it up as opposed to uh, putting out one finished product. So, but at the same time, you got a built-in audience, so you already know you can make you know you can make have some successful if you make it good. By the way, breaking news: this just handed to me. My wife just sent a text, um, not Star Wars related, but we've talked about this on past episodes. Um, right. Agents of Shield ep- uh, season seven is now on Netflix. <laughs> so we can now finish the series. We got done with. We were like binge watching, like all the, the whole Agents of Shield. We got through season six. Like, all right, let's start season seven. It's like, eh, it's not there. So we've been like shieldless for you know a couple months now. But it's on Netflix. Like I said, breaking news coming across the Who Dat Jedi um, news desk. So now back to the regular <laughs> scheduled program. And you told her not to watch it without you. Oh, we have it's if I have to wait for Mandalorian, you know, she'll wait for, you know, Agents of Shield. Yeah, that's you know, <laughs> we're we're good with these things. So So actually speaking of other stuff that's been released today, we should mention that uh, from a certain point of view, the Empire Strikes Back is out today. Yeah, we uh, should have our copy by on Saturday, I think. So Okay. Yeah, I'm going to try to go uh, tomorrow or maybe Thursday after work, pick mine up. Uh, it's 600 pages. Actually, uh, it was funny. I mentioned in a tweet to Brittany Williams because she retweeted another of the authors oh, you know, revealing her book coming in the mail. It's a thick book. It's very hefty. You know, it's 600 pages. They, you know, they're getting your money's worth from, you know, from the 40-some-odd authors you're going to read. Uh, then uh, also right quick, I'll mention... Okay, so there was a tweet that came across today. Not to reply to it. Uh, it's this Twitter called Culture Crave, and it says they're quoting George about Greedo shooting. Person says, "Quote: People thought we should leave that ambiguous, but I didn't like the idea that practically the first thing Han Solo does is gun someone down in cold blood." Now, this is coming from a book that's really is going to be released this month called the Star Wars Archives, which is this 10,000, you know, this massive coffee table book, which is uh, the second book in a series. Uh, this one's focusing on the prequels and the special edition. The first one focused on the original trilogy. If you want to pick a copy up, it's $200. And if from a certain point of view, look hefty, this is massive. <laughs> but the author actually, and I'll, uh, share the link with Dave so you can include it in the show notes. The author actually um, reveals it on YouTube and it kind of discusses that, saying George, you know, talking to George Lucas about it, said, yeah, we wanted Han uh, Greedo to shoot first. You know, so I'd, you know, I'd heard that before um, and I, I've heard, like I said, I've heard that quote from him before and, I, you know, I, I get it a little bit, but it's like, A, I, you know, I was you know, four years old when I saw star Wars, probably, you know, uh, that has never been anything that has bothered me about Han Solo. You know, if anything, it makes, you know, when, if you talk about star Wars being redemption, you know, the redemption of Darth Vader, I mean, Han Solo has a huge redemption arc, you know, where he's, you know, it starts in episode four when he comes back to, you know, help Luke at, in the Death Star. And then, you know, of course, he's thinking about, you know, running, running away in Empire. But, you know, but still, he's I'm going to get Leia out of here, 
you know, then it, so his whole, it makes his whole arc like that much more, um, interesting and, you know, I don't know it. So when they, when they made Greedo shoot first, then it just, it, I don't know, it kind of took some wind out of his sails. I think. I think we all agree. I mean, it's, I I think where we all stand on it is like different levels of varying annoyance, uh, with the decision. Um, for, I'm probably least annoyed of the three of us, but it's still like, why did you do that? I think I think Why the latest I think the latest cut where you know the the shots are almost simultaneous is a heck of a lot better. When they I mean when they totally made it look like ting town, you know, it was like, oh good lord, you know, McClunky. McClunky. Um, but you know, it's like when now it's like when you watch it, they it happens almost at the same time. But um, yeah, anyway, I don't know. I'd be interested to no. know how many how many kids are in therapy because Han Solo shot Greedo, you know, in cold blood in the cantina. It wasn't in cold blood. Well, it was, was in self-defense. He, was, he was fine with shooting it that way and releasing it that way and letting it live that way for 20 years. So it's always been in my head. Somebody got in his ear at some point and, and convinced him that this was bad. And I'd, I'd love to know who that was because they're the person, you know, did it, or did, did it happen, you know, did it happen when he adopted his kids, you know, did, did it, you know, I mean, changes your perspective on things, you know, um, and we'll, again, this, we'll talk about parenting with the Mandalorian. We even see the Mandalorian starting to, you know, get his, you know, like I said, his daddy chops going and may, maybe it is. You know, we're going to shift away from he's seen he's seen worse to, you know, maybe he shouldn't see any of this at all. So I don't know. Maybe, you know, who knows? It, that'd be something we'd have to ask George Lucas. Let's get him on the show. Um, yeah, no. He's got I, I nothing to do. I'll, yeah, I guess what I'll say he's writing books. So now I guess what I'll say it's even back when I was a kid, it never dawned on me, never made sense to me. You know, it, I mean, let me put it this way. It totally made sense that Han would shoot Greedo. Greedo is threatening Han. He's got a, first of all, he's got a blaster pointed to him and he tells him that, you know, he's going to shoot him. He's either A, going to shoot him, B, bring him back to Jabba, who's going to kill him, or C, says, okay, fine, give me the money or give me your ship, which are in effect damning uh, Han to death. So any outcome that Greedo can give to Han involves Han dying. So at that point, Han is acting in total self-defense to shoot Greedo without having to tell him, hey, I'm going to shoot you, or waiting for Greedo to shoot him. Yeah. yeah. And there are, there are other things. That, and when they made that change and then left other things in, you know, throughout all three episodes, that's why it's yeah. like, why, why'd you leave that but, you know, fix this? Um, it'd be again, be nice to get in the DeLorean and be in the meetings where it's like, all right, what are the things we really need to fix? So anyway, but I, of course, I don't know. Was this a recent quote or is this just something they added the, into the book? I'm, well, no, I mean the book, the book's coming down month, uh, the author and, uh, yeah, I know. But no, did, like, a, did George Lucas say this like a week ago or was it like just something they added that he said, you know, well, 10 well, years no, ago? It's in the, it's in the book. What's interesting when he, when the author's going through talking about that moment, he's, he even breaks down that says, "Look, Greedo shoots in scene five thirty two, 
and Han shoots back in scene 537, which are like fractions of a second. So he's telling you, he's breaking it down as to how much gap of a time difference is between Green and the fire shotgun and Han pressing that shotgun off. So he's talking about it to this author and letting him know, okay, this is why I did what I did. Because there's a whole, the first chapter actually goes into the whole idea of restoring the originals, developing the special editions, seeing the technological advances. Because one of the through lines in, the, in, that, in that big thing of a book is that technology advanced to the point that he could make the prequels. So it's kind of like the jumping off point to making the prequels. All right, last but not least, we'll go back to The Mandalorian. Uh, Deadline states that Mandalorian Season 3 production is looking to start. Uh, apparently, John Favreau had said, I mean, we know he had said that he was hoping to start filming by end of this year. So some sources are indicating that production starting as soon as next week. So late November, early December 2020. At the worst, spring or even fall 2021. There seems to be some confusion, though. Because they are developing, I mean, they say there's a season three of The Mandalorian is the working title's Buccaneer. Make of that what you will. They already cast one new actor for their show, uh, Sophie Thatcher from Chicago Med. It's rumored to be joining The Mandalorian. No idea what the role might be. But there's also a rumor doing the rounds that there may be a potential spinoff out of The Mandalorian possibly a miniseries starting Boba Fett, which would film first, and then they would go to season three of Mandalorian. So we had a discussion last week. When we, you know, all these things showed up and we're like, man, should mm -hmm. we believe all the rumors that we've heard all summer? Mm -hmm. But here's my thing. It seems like any... Now, you see an actor getting, you know, getting a a coffee at the Starbucks next to Lucasfilm in San Francisco, and it's like, oh, they got a spinoff series. You know what I mean? It's like, so, yeah, okay, we know Boba Fett is in this season. But I, I think people are now just going, oh, that means a spinoff series. You know, Ahsoka Tano is going to be in here. Oh, that means a spinoff series. And with and Bo-Katan as well. Well, let's put her with Cara Dune and let's have a spinoff series. It's like, if if all they do... I, so, I was listening to the Star Wars Underworld podcast. They're, um, they're, they have another episode where they do uh, just a review of the Mandalorian stuff. And and one of, the, one of their guests said, um, he said he really liked this uh, chapter 10 um, mm -hmm. because, you know, because they did something totally different. He said, if in season three, if the Mandalorian is still just this, you know, rehash homage to the, the original trilogy and had, didn't take any chances, he said, I'll be really disappointed and just utterly bored. And I was like, that's kind of a good point, you know? So, I, I don't mind having these characters, you know, show up because they make sense within the storyline, but then that doesn't mean that it, we're going to have after mash, you know, and then after mash again. And then, you know, it's just, I, I'm more excited. I'm more excited about the, you know, the all female, you know, the female centric, you know, series, you know, now with martial arts and stuff like that. That's really going, well, that's cool. We haven't seen that before, but it's like, 
Boba Fett. Like, like I told you guys in the message, like my life as a sand person, you know, I, I don't know. It's like, it'll be, it's like, I'll be one 20 years in the desert. Right. You know? Yeah. Just, <laughs> I don't know. But I, what do you guys think? Could, could there be a Boba Fett spinoff? And what would that look like? It's a plausible report, you know, it's like, makes sense. They need content to air on Disney plus between seasons of the show. So they're going to be constantly on the lookout for things that'll fit that bill. uh, Things they feel comfortable doing, um, leaning into characters that people enjoy uh, so that, you know, so that people don't cancel their subscription. Um, so it's like the report makes sense. Well, and it um, also, sorry to interrupt you, but it, yeah. al- it also makes sense from the fact that, um, and I'm not, I'm not discounting the story, but you know, I, I have a feeling that their sources probably walked into a meeting room and looked on the whiteboard where they're like, what are, what are all the possible series we could be, we could do. And it's like, you know, it's kind of like there's this, it, so if they probably oh a Boba Fett one, I mean that was, it's just a brainstorming, throw out anything, and I think that's where a lot of these things come from, and then that's how the source, you know, because they saw it on a whiteboard of Lucasfilm, that means it's in development, you know. I don't know. I just used well, air quotes, you know, <laughs> in an audio podcast. Yeah. yeah. Now, I guess what I would say is, and sometimes we have to be cognizant that some of this comes from the fan base itself. Look. Leslie Headland's talking about developing a female-centric show, and half the fan base immediately jumped up to say, Ahsoka title series! And then the other half said, Gina Carano's getting a show! <laughs> and we, we start developing all these ideas in our heads for all the possible shows it could be, not realizing, wait a minute, these are what our wishes. That doesn't necessarily mean that Lucasfilm is developing them, but it means this is what we want. And all of a sudden, we have three, four, five shows developed, before Lucasfilm comes out and says, no, no, we're making this. What if the frog lady, her eggs survive and they actually grow into, and they're all female. And so there's going to be all female frog ninjas. It's, you know, but, you know, so they'll be, you know, in their twenties. So this will be around, you know, the sequel trilogy, but, you know. And it's martial arts based. Yeah, and, and there's and there's a you know a rat that leads them, and they you know they live in, they they live in the sewers with you know the Mandalorians and <laughs> no no they what is it that uh, no they all drink spotchka. That's right. All right, well I jumped the shark on that one. <laughs> if this was a video podcast, you would have seen Dave shake his head because you know. Yeah, we like, kind of went over the shark there. Yeah. Oh, sorry, sorry. I, well, I, you know. Source told me it's going to be. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's the end none of the that, source. That's, yeah. I, none of it's. I mean, the funny thing about that is like, you know, we're talking about is it different? Is it interesting? Is it something we've never seen before? Right. And, and like, they have, we know they have a lot of that underworld stuff that they didn't ever produce. I think they have like mountains of scripts from the underworld series that, that didn't ever happen. And so it's like, was Boba Fett a central figure in that? You know, was the, 
was it the Josh Trank movie? Was that how far along did that get? How you know? So there's yeah, sure. there's pro, there, there's material to potentially draw from that could be different than Boba Fett uh, hangs out on Tatooine. Um, so like we could see something new through the lens of that character still. Um, so I, you know, I don't dismiss this out of hand as being, Oh, it's the same old thing. It, it might be boring. Um, it could be really new and interesting and vivid and here's the powerful. Other, how, however, and we're going to, we're going to, if, if you have a show with Boba Fett in the Boba Fett armor, Okay, so right. let's let's take your underworld thing, which that sounds cool, and you're talking about also Fredo about you know going to have to have some content to bridge you know these different seasons. Do you bridge the seasons of the Mandalorian with somebody else in similar looking armor? You know, it's like I've been marching, I've marched in a Mardi Gras parade where a dude was dressed in Mandalorian armor, and everybody he walked by, everybody said. It's it's the Mandalorian. At least that's better because usually they see it and they just go, it's Boba Fett. And it's like, no, it's not Boba Fett. But that's what the, I mean, if so, so if you have that, I think it has to be like the Mandalorian has to be done as a series. And now, you know, so that we're not, you know, I don't know, confusing a lot of people because it's not going to be just nerds like us who can tell you the difference between, you know, the death watch Mandalorians and, you know, and let's, you know, the scout troopers knee pads are upside down. You know, it's, it's just the passive watcher going, Oh, is this the same dude? No. Well, it looks like the same dude. Like, well, it's not, you know, I just think they would utterly, it's a programming thing with me, but counterpoint, they people always get super confused about the timeline um and if this is set in in the same time period roughly um people can make that leap a little bit easier um and and say oh okay so this is going on at the same time but i can tell he's he's a little different looking and sounding and okay this is a different guy isn't it um but yeah i it just seems like they can't win for trying. Like they're constantly running into this this problem of confusing mass audiences. And I think, I mean, part and part of it, the dynamic is when we heard about the show called The Mandalorian, we immediately thought, "Oh, Boba Fett has to be." And then we found out that it wasn't Boba even, Fett. Even Boba after Fett. even after John Favreau said it's not about Boba Fett and and Jango Fett, and everybody's like, "Oh, yeah, it is." Shut up. Yeah, it is. <laughs> right. So. Uh, but now we're comfortable with the idea that the Mandalorian is another character from Boba Fett. Um, I mean, we even had somebody wearing Boba Fett's armor, and we kind of went, "Okay, it's fine. We can, we we can. These can coexist." Uh, I guess the interesting question is, where would you set a Boba Fett show if you're bringing Timur Morrison? In? Obviously, you're not de-aging him to make him young Boba Fett, uh, Jeremy Bullock from 1982. So you would. More like thinking of a show in the present time, glory in second place going forward, which would create an interesting introduction if you want to go to a whole underworld kind of thing, because he's got all those connections, so to speak, or had them at one point. So, uh, but then again, the question becomes could you not do that with Ben Jarrett? And you totally could. So, it's a question of 
okay, what are you going to get out of a Boba Fett show beyond it's a Boba Fett show that you can't get out of, you know, adding all that stuff to the Mandalorian? Because, yeah, he's still with Baby Yoda, but he still has all that stuff. There's also another element of this where it could be where it's like, they're having these arguments within Lucasfilm. It's like, let's have a Boba Fett show. And everybody's like, no, oh, come on. They'll confuse with the Mandalorian. But somebody says, hey, why don't, you, why don't you just go talk to your friend who writes for such and such and just let it drop that we're talking about, you know, making a Boba Fett show. And let's just kind of take the temperature of the of the fan community. You know, I mean, it's done all the time in politics. You know, it's like, go just leak something just to see, you know, as a test balloon, they're like, okay, nope, never mind. I'm not going to do that. Oh, that was totally false. I don't know where you got your information from. So I don't know. Um, there's all sorts of things. It's, um, my gut tells me though, there was a marker board somebody saw with a brainstorming session that was never erased. So anyway. Well, that's it. And speaking of, do you want to get into a uh, frog lady? Well, let's let's since we're talking about the Mandalorian, let's talk about the Mandalorian. So we have um, chapter ten, and it was the passenger. And so let's give the the Cliff's Notes, uh, Aaron's Cliff's Notes version of of this. Um, actually, sometime what we're gonna have to do is like do it as a round robin. I'll give the first element, and then Dave gives the second. It'd be like a you know fun little birthday party game anyway so let's see so mandalorian is on a speeder bike and he's running home with uh the boba fett armor and baby yoda in tow and we get a nice another little baby yoda you know wind blowing through his ears moment it's all cute and then wily coyote puts up uh you know a tripwire to um you know wreck the the speeder bike and mando goes flying off and these well it's there uh when they they're obviously bounty hunters because they say, get the child. They're after the child. I mean, so, um, and what was cool, what was cool about this moment here though, is that the one thing that looked like a Jawa, but wasn't a Jawa was the same thing that yelled at Ray in the force awakens. So that's, what's kind of, it's obvious that John Favreau's like going into the Lucasfilm, you know, attic and it's like, Hey, let's use this. And Hey, let's use this. So they're repurposing some things. So it's kind of cool. But anyway, so Mando and uh, Baby Yoda, you know, get out from from the well. There's a fisticuffs thing, and you know, then you know the not the Jawa thing is holding Baby Yoda hostage, and they make a deal, and yeah, he gets free, and off they go. They're back in, so they have to walk back to uh, Mos Eisley, and uh, he goes into the cantina where um, uh, what's her name? Not the actress, but the the character's name. But anyway. The, uh, you mean Amy Sedaris? Yeah, Amy Sedaris' Amy character. Sedaris. She's they're playing. Oh, yeah, she's playing. Um, uh, Motto. Play, she's playing uh, uh, Sabak with a giant bug, which somebody pointed out that it's really kind of funny that this giant bug, which looks a lot like an ant, Doctor Mandibles, is that what she called him? And yeah. the, the, the episode was directed by the guy who directed Ant-Man. So, yeah. But anyway, it's, but however, in uh, the, by the way, let's take you back to season one with um, the gunslinger in the cantina. The, the ant dude is in that scene as well. And so is the frog lady actually. 
But anyway, um, so he says, you know, he needs to find more Mandalorians. She said, well, the, the ant dude here, Dr. Mandibles knows where some is, but you know, you got to help us out here and cover the, cover the bet on the Sabat game. Um, so anyway, to find out, um, uh, the ant person's, uh, contact is a frog lady who needs passage to a planet so that her eggs can get fertilized. She's, you know, she's got this big tote of a big, you know, aquarium full of frog eggs. And, uh, um, so she needs transport and, um, and not travel through light speed. I can't travel through light speed because for some reason it'll, it'll probably, I don't know if it's pressure or destroy the, the eggs. it'll destroy the yeah. eggs. The eggs will die. So they have to go sublight anyway. And, um, but her husband on this planet knows where some Mandalorians are. So the Mandalorian, you know, gives him, uh, gives, gives her a ride and they're flying along and baby Yoda starts eating the eggs. Um, and that's kind of a disturbing thing throughout the whole episode, <laughs> but baby Yoda's really drawn to the eggs and he finds them really yummy because he keeps eating them. Um, well, anyway, uh, they get into, a, uh, uh, they come up to a X-wing patrol who, uh, try to pull him over and a chase ensues and, um, he ends up crash landing. Actually, did you guys know what planet? That's the snow planet that we all thought was either maybe it was going to be Ilum, maybe it was going to be what were the other options we had? Hoth. Hoth. Uh, I mean, we went through all this speculation. Guess what? It is the same planet from the first episode of season one. Huh. Yeah, apparently, people translated the Arabesh on the on the screen, and it that's that's the planet. So. Anyway, um, so the crash land and the, on this snowy ice planet, and um, then um, now I'm starting to get some things conflated here. Um, help me out. So, baby, well, he's the. It said we're gonna. We're just gonna. We're gonna the take care of it. It's in bad shape. It's in bad shape. Sure. So we're gonna take care of it. And um, the frog lady then like fixes the the droid that Mando, you know, destroyed in the uh, jailbreak episode from last season so that she could speak through a microphone and then speak through the, uh, the droid. So she, and she says, you know, Hey, you need to hold your end of the bargain, you know, basically. And she kind of throws down the, you're not be, you're not real much of a Mandalorian, you know, kind of testing his Mandalorian hood. And so he goes and starts fixing the ship and uh, baby Yoda comes out and is pointing like, Hey, things happen this way. Yeah. yeah, she gone. And uh, so he and baby Yoda go looking for the frog lady who has found a hot spring and she's trying to keep her eggs warm and stuff like that. Well, then they come across a whole bunch of space spiders. Um, Was it the Krikna's from? They're not exactly, they're, they're not exactly Krikna's. That's not the same thing as in Rebels. This is the... Okay. Uh, um, no that's official? Is that an official? I believe so. I believe so. Okay. Um, I, I'd seen speculation because we're talking about the spiders um, that these were the same. They look like the same spiders from a Ralph McQuarrie drawing. Yeah. I mean, they're, yeah. they're actually, yeah, they look exactly like those. Um, but I don't so, think that they're actually Krickness. So um, I like the snow casting. So cast the So anyway, right. Ron and Harry escape the Forbidden Forest from Aragog and his, you know, children um, who are Shilo. trying to eat them. 
Uh, oh, I'm sorry. Wait a minute. I'm sorry. That was Harry Potter and, you know, the <laughs> Chamber of Secrets. That's okay. Um, <laughs> so, um, yeah, but it was, it was totally, it was totally Harry Potter at that point. I mean, or an arachnophobia. But anyway, so the spiders are beating up the razor crest even more and things are looking really bad and we're killing spiders all over the place. Then the X-Wing pilots show back up and they're, you know, taking, you know, taking out the spiders off the ship. And, um, turns out that they said, Hey, we know who you are. Um, you know, you're wanted because you broke out a prisoner back, you know, that jailbreak sequence in season one. Um, but you did some good things by, you know, capturing three that we're looking for and trying, you know, putting your life at risk to try to save the life of that, uh, rebel officer or the new Republic officer who got killed in that episode. So we're just going to let you off with a warning and they fly off. Mando fixes his ship and they are off to this planet all busted up. That's kind of the Cliff's Nose version. And baby Yoda breaks a fourth wall as he pops in one last egg in his mouth. Baby Yoda eats, you know, another egg. Yep. Um, So, you know, again, that was just the Cliff's Nose version. I apologize. Go watch the episode. Um, I, I'm going to give, we're just going to go around and give initial reactions. I'm going to, my initial reaction when we watched this, we got done and it was just like, meh. I mean, I wasn't just, I, I, I wasn't like, that was a bad episode, but I was like, and, but Brittany and I, we said right away, she goes, I'll tell you right away. That's not, that, that's my least favorite Mandalorian episode. And I would agree. It's my least favorite of all 10 my least favorite um you know i've watched it a couple times and i'm not going to i'm not going to criticize it saying that it's meaningless or anything like that i'm it because i i think what i told fredo on friday i think i said i need to see it in the greater context once season two is over to see you know what is what is at play here and what you know it's not going to be a you know, in Rebels, they always talked about these filler episodes. And I was always like, well, okay, we can look back and we say they needed this episode to get from point A to point C, you know, but we couldn't really see that. So my big criticism of it was that it's like the band that opens up the show with their biggest hit. And then the next song and has the audience just on fire. And then the next song that they play is a slow ballad that goes on for about 10 minutes. (laughs) It just seemed like it's, it's like, yes, that song has a place in the set. It's kind of like I saw Van Halen and it's with Sammy Hagar and they opened up with jump and which is kind of odd because it's, you know, it's a David Lee Ross song, but anyway, they opened up with jump and everybody's like, yes, jump. Yeah. And everybody loved it. It was like, what if they went from that to how do you know when it's love? You know, it'd be like, <laughs> yeah, I want to hear that song, but that is just bad programming. So again, I, it seems right now it's like the first episode of this season. It's like, we got crate dragons and we got Boba Fett's armor and we got all these things and blah, blah, blah. And then all, then we're in the snow running from spiders. And so it feels like, how do you know when it's love? It's like, okay, I, I like it, but it just, I feel like something was... I don't know, like I was blindfolded and dropped in the middle of, you know, you know, a field somewhere and I have to find my way home. So, um, like I said, I didn't, I didn't 
not like it. I watched it again and it was, it was fine, but it's just kind of, it was just kind of a letdown. So that's, that's me. I don't know. Dave, what'd you think? Well, I'll let Fredo go first. If he is. All right. Fredo, okay. you go first. Uh, I'll go first. Yeah. No, uh, actually my first reaction was when it was over. It's like, wow, you got to leave it there. Cause I really honestly thought that we were going to at least make it to the next planet. Uh, but I was totally surprised that it, that the episode just cut off exactly where it did because I thought, okay, you haven't resolved the primary issue. But looking back and then at, you know, considering where that episode started, because that episode starts on Tatooine and Mando driving, driving back to Ma, Mos Eisley and getting jumped by those bounty hunters who were clearly after, well, were they clearly after Baby Yoda? Maybe, or were they just raiders, scavengers? Because they clearly, they were after something. They knew about it. They said, get yeah, the child. Him. Yeah. Right. One of them said, so. get the child. And, and that's two straight episodes now, too, where um, Mando gets into violent confrontation to lead the episode off. Right. So, but what I guess my, my bigger point is, it seems like where, you know, last season, there were more complete episodes, beginning, middle, end of every story. So even like where you where you start uh, the episode on the run after episode four, for example, where they go to leave uh, to find the, the settlement where they find the ATST, that episode ended. Imagine if that episode I cut off at the guy with the sniper rifle shooting, and then we cut to cut to black, and come back next week. People would have been freaking out. Uh, this that's what sort of what this episode felt like it did. It also feels like this This is going to be one long story told across 10 episodes as opposed to 10 small stories that make one bigger story. So, but I didn't, I didn't mind it. I liked it for what it was. It was clear. It was interesting that they're putting Mando with somebody who isn't a threat, but he needs something out of, but he can't beat it out of them. Uh, I was wondering what they were going to go with the, Baby Yoda and the eggs, because I figured that's still got to get paid off in some kind of way, even more than just a wink and a nod. Um, and then uh, we'll see, uh, we'll see kind of where next episode takes us. So I'll, I'll reserve further judgment. But first glance, I was like, okay, so now this is the episode uh, where Mando fights a giant monster. Last season, that was the uh, the Mudhorn. This season's a giant spider. So yeah, I want to remind you that. Last week's episode was him fighting a crate dragon. Hey, <laughs> yeah, yeah, but that was with other people. This is by himself. Uh, and by, uh, I can't remember what I was gonna say. Never mind, Dave. All right, so Dave, your Dave, your initial go. reaction. Um, wow, I liked it a lot for myself. <laughs> um, I had concerns as a parent. Um, but I guess like, and we're going to get into that a little bit more. Um, but like, there were two things about it that I like specifically. Um, and we're going to get into these as well. Um, so this might be a decent jumping off point for, you know, some of our main, uh, topics here. Um, I really, really liked the theme of parenting and how it was handled in this episode, because I think like, this is something that we haven't really addressed, which is. Like, what kind of parent is this guy? Um, because that's the role. He is undertaken. Um, secondly, uh, I liked 
stylistically that it was different and it was trying something different. Aaron, to your point um, about what uh, the other podcasters were saying about it, it's, it's, it's different and you, and you need to mix it up from week to week to keep things interesting somewhat. Um, and this is just straight horror. Um, I mean, this is, this is alien um, or aliens, you know, depending on uh, your perspective. It, it's just, it, it's space horror. Um, I liked it a lot. Um, I enjoyed watching it. Um, it's just, mm, as a parent, I, I, I have concerns. So like, I, you know, like I said, I, I want to make it clear that when I said this is my least favorite Mandalorian episode, that's like saying, you know, boy, that's my least favorite kind of pizza. You know, right. it's it. I, I, I did enjoy it, but it was just and again, my problem, I think I'll have to see it in the entire context, but it just seems odd that you go from holy crap to, you know, like you said, a horror movie, you know, it, it just seemed like an odd and I don't mind them doing different things. I agree with that, but it just seemed odd to do that in the second episode. And I do want to say that it's how many, I don't know how many times, um, the fans are going to put up with, you know, Hey kids, it's Boba Fett. And so we're like, Oh, beginning of the next episode. Oh good. We're still on Tatooine. We're going to see Boba Fett. Oh, there's an ant. And now, okay, we're in the snow planet. What? You know what I mean? We, you give a hard tease for Boba Fett and then drop it, you know? So that's again, why it seemed like it was like, did we play the right episode in the right time? Um, so, um, some other things before we get that, some other things that kind of, I thought were, well, um, no, let's, let's, uh, let's, let's keep talking about the parenting because that was the thing that really, uh, you know, as I kind of molded over and watched it again. Yeah. That's what's going on here because Mando has, he's seeing a model for sacrificing yourself for your children, you know, and that's what the frog lady She's putting her life in on the line to protect, you know, these eggs. And what we talked about it last week, you know, Mandalorian comes up to, you know, into Mos Pelgo and he just leaves baby Yoda on the speeder while he goes into the bar, you know, it's like, and then, you know, when Cobb Vance says, you were going to do this in front of the kid. He's like, I seen worse, you know, now he's seeing this lady who's like, I'm, I'm going to, take on a Mandalorian here so that my kids can survive. I mean, that's, that's gotta be communicating something to him. Um, and it was also that you start seeing the bond. There's now becoming a physical bond between baby Yoda and Mando. You know how we saw Yoda, baby Yoda run up to him. We saw baby Yoda, you know, snuggle up to him, you know, in the right. So there's, there's that physical bond that is, that is being created as well. Um, I don't know what, what else are you guys thinking about? Just, I, I just think he was getting a model and of course his parents died when he was very young and I'm sure that the Mandalorians, you know, kept him well, but I'm sure it was not a very, um, lovey dovey, you know, upbringing. I don't know. What do you think? Well, you're exactly right that the frog lady was meant to be kind of a juxtaposition 
um, uh, for him. Um, there, there's a lot of different ways to read into that. I, I, I like the thought that, well, I'll get into that later. I guess what I, I guess what I would lead off with here is that I think you're right that we've seen Mandalorian show a troubling tendency to ignore the fact that he's carrying a child around with him. Um, mostly manifested in the kind of violence that he exposes the child to. And are there consequences to that? Um, you know, we've seen the child force choke Cara Dune. Well, even, um, even to your point at the beginning of this episode, when he launches the dude up with the jetpack, and then he comes crashing down, you know, baby Yoda even turns out's what Brit my you know, my wife said that was like a real gizmo look, you know, because but baby Yoda kind of looked at at Din when like F yeah, you know, <laughs> like you know what I mean? That's the kind of yeah. look he had, like, oh that was sweet, you know. So yeah. yeah. Yeah, and like again, that's two straight weeks of that where, you know, he's just brutally murdering people and the child's like, Yeah, all right, you know. Um, seeing all this all this violence. Um he forced choked Cara Dune in that in that episode last season, so there was a consequence there. We've shown that he um, he doesn't really have a high regard for uh, life when it comes to his eating habits. <laughs> However, I do want to say, as much as we say, you know, the frog lady was being a role model of what a, being a good parent means. She did leave those eggs unsupervised quite often. He was popping in like like candy. <laughs> I, you know, it, God help me. I, I, I was laughing through most of that. It was, it was, it was humorous, but it was, you know, but if you take it, if you evaluate it, you know, in plain terms and, and not comedic terms, if you're like, well, what's actually going on here? He's actually eating this, this lady's offspring. Um, so he doesn't really have a, like, you know, he's still id, right? He's at that stage of his development. Um, so, and but we've seen the contrast of that too, where he's healed people, he's saved people, he's done things to um, make the environment around him better and improve things. So, so like some people have these crazy theories: the child is secretly evil and he's manipulating people and all of this stuff. It's not like that's not what's going on. I mean, clearly, what we're watching is about this idea of nature versus nurture and how nurture takes on um, a major, major factor in a child's upbringing. It's like, and, and, and his upbringing has been chaotic at best, um, heavy on bloodshed and violence at worst. Uh, so he's just, it's like his, his future is very much in doubt right now. You know, his path is, is not defined as it is for every child at that stage of their development. But you're beginning to see signs, you know, it, within the story that it might be time for Mandalorian to be thinking in these terms as well. You know, what if uh, this was something that just thought about today um you know because they make they made a big point about these eggs are the last in my line you know this was mm -hmm. she said if they don't get fertilized then it's my family's bloodline is done what if what if baby yoda 
is the last in that species line. And that's why the Kaminoan, you know, once, you know, you know, because they, but what if, what if it's, I'm just, that's just kind of a tangent. Well, yeah. When you're talking about the bigger story and the bigger picture and how the episode fits in, you know, that could be. Yeah. I'm wondering, yeah. I'm wondering if they're giving us a little hint there. Um, yeah. I well, I mean, yeah, I mean, just to say, because if you look at it from the point of view of how last episode juxtaposed uh, Cop Vanth with Mando and both wearing Mandalorian armor, one's protecting and the other one's assumed the role of protector, you could very well have a dynamic where Frog Lady Softspring are supposed to mirror Baby Yoda as last in their species, you know, precious cargo that Mandalorian's trying to protect and bring to the appropriate place where they can kind of develop and grow. And talking and talking about growth, um, uh, I mentioned last week, you know, how Mando is a lot more chatty, you know, in this Mm -hmm. season, I I was struck when they're, you know, he's flying frog lady off, they leave Tatooine and he's trying to talk to her and she's not saying a word. You know, he just, he just keeps, and it's like, it was the exact opposite of the first episode where Horatio Sands is talking to him and he's not saying a word, you know, it's like, there has been this flip and he's, he's talking a whole lot to, um, Amy Sedaris. He's it just like, again, he's just so much more chatty. We talked about this before, but he was getting frustrated because the, you know, the frog lady wouldn't, he couldn't communicate with her which I kind of found was interesting. Now getting to communication, she rigs up zero, you know, to, was that, was that, yeah, it was zero, right? Rig mm-hmm. up so she could use the microphone. I will bet dollars to donuts that that is how baby Yoda makes, communicates eventually with Mando because he was watching. They kept cutting to baby Yoda as, you know, this was going it on. Was- and uh, there was a moment when he points to Frog Lady that he starts verbalizing or trying to yeah. communicate. But I, I so bet that I bet that he uh, starts using that to communicate with Mando. The other thing I thought was really kind of interesting, and I'm sorry, I'm not. We can talk, keep talking about parenting, but yeah, I was, on. I thought it was also a kind of, I, I, I was like thinking way too deep into this episode because when Baby Yoda goes up to the um, the canister for the first time, which by the way, the music right at that point was very, very interesting and very, very different. It was almost Christmas-like. It, 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 I thought gremlins mm-hmm. right away, you know, because it was just, I mean, there was, you know, chimes and, um, uh, you know, bells. It was, it, it was just, I wonder, I don't know if that's going to be Baby Yoda's quote-unquote theme, but it was a different style of music than we've heard at any other point in the show. But anyway, he puts his hands on the jar and the eggs start being drawn to him. And mm-hmm. I said out loud, I was like, oh, it's the force. He's a connection with these things. And then he's eating them. <laughs> so then I'm wondering, is he eating them or is he protecting them? Am I reading too much into it again? You know, you, you, you might be for an episode. You say he's, it's least favorite. he's he's not he's not chewing them. He's just popping them in his mouth. Is there a way? Mm-hmm. Is he is he protecting them? chomped well, and chewed don't. on the uh spider i mean maybe he's just eating him maybe he's just a like <laughs> that's the thing we learned in this episode is that baby yoda is kind of a pain in the butt um well i mean he's a baby but uh 
No, I mean, more along the lines of we've seen him that he likes frog because he pops frogs in his mouth. So he has no problem with eating frog. Uh, I think what's interesting is, uh, well, I mean, we don't know. The easy assumption is he's just eating them. It'll be surprising to see if he, in the next episode, barfs them all back up. Because all the ones in the tank, you know, either get destroyed or something happens. I mean, we have no idea about uh, Yoda's um, species and their biology. So they could, they could, he could be a deus ex machina there. But uh, it's interesting just seeing how parenting-wise, you know, again, they got all these juxtapositions, they got all these dynamics, uh, that Mando is still, he's still thinking like Mando. I mean, he gets, he gets he's getting pulled over by the police. And his thought is that, yes, officer, thank you. It's, yeah, oh, shoot, I got to run after a hot minute. By the way, Even though we, they're not shooting at him. Let's, let's talk about that sequence for a second. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. It was, it was, it was a funny sequence when they, when the X-Wings pull him over because it was, and he was acting like, you know, any, anybody who ever gets pulled over by a cop, you're always just like, you know, oh, gee, officer, boy, I'm so sorry. I didn't know that I was supposed to have a transponder on. No, you know, just being really Eddie Haskellish about it. But the thing that, and the thing that was the big laugh point, you know, my wife and I really started laughing is when he goes, May the force be with you. And then they reply back, and also, <laughs> and also with you. you. You know, that made us laugh. But then it was like, well, wait a minute. Last season, he d- didn't know what the force was. He never heard of Jedi. He said he couldn't explain how, you know, Baby Yoda was doing these things. And now he's saying, may the force be with you. Um, it's not. And we're at a point also where people don't really know that Jedi are a thing. So that that just seemed a good joke, but really kind of stuck out and didn't quite fit. I think they could have had a different joke. But anyway, um, yeah, Lucy agrees with me. I, it was very uh, Han Solo in the Death Star. You yeah. know, we're all fine here. How are you? You know, you just choking on his words just trying to make them go away well and you know that you could take boring conversation anyway and then just you yeah, know, exactly. like you said fredo hits the accelerator and off we go mm-hmm. i i'd love to touch more on this idea of of a parental unit though because um there was an article in vulture that came out earlier this year i think it's at the end of season one and it came from uh catherine van arendon um and she critiqued that the show didn't address uh, like parental responsibilities that make being a parent difficult. Um, and, and specifically as it relates, you know, to this character, like the child, we don't see the child eating. Like, how is he feeding? I mean, other than when he's feeding himself, eating frogs and eggs. And- McClunky. Um, <laughs> I have to edit that out. McClunky. But, uh, <laughs> um, we don't see him feed the child. We don't see him um, establish a bedtime or a routine for the child. Uh, does he, does he kid? Did Dave just freeze on you too? Yes. And he was saying perfect. Oh, there we go. He's you're you're going to have to rewind. So there's, there's no bedtime. And then yeah, what? There's no, be- there's no bedtime. He's not changing diapers. Um, you don't see him doing any of the kinds of fatherly things that you would expect that he would need to do. 
Um, and so like the absence of detail surrounding those things, uh, it may imply that he's sort of falling down on the job with that stuff. It, it may not suggest that at all, but um, I liked this quote from her. Um, the, the Mandalorian is uninterested in diapers, and so Mando gets to be a very particular image of fatherhood, the guy who doesn't have to sweat the small stuff. A vision of parenting stripped so thoroughly of all detail and specificity that all that's left are archetypes, the parent, the child. And, like, this is a very problematic space for his character to occupy because, like, this whole fun dad archetype of never having to do the unsexy stuff, you know, uh, the fun dad. Um, we see this all over the place in pop culture and real life and with grown men who are like, I'm, I refuse to change diapers because it's not manly or, you know, or other nonsense like that. And like up until this point, you never said that this, to Kate. You never said that to Kate. <laughs> no, <laughs> no, that was not a conversation that was had. No, he's still um, with us. That's why. Exactly, that I'm right. still here. Um, but up until this point, we hadn't had any anything to dispute that critique, right? Um, we hadn't seen anything, so we hadn't had the opportunity to evaluate. Him in a more positive light and until this episode. And so for that reason alone, I find this episode to be very uh, important in the narrative structure because we need to see him begin to take on those roles. And we don't necessarily see them here so much as, I mean, somewhat with what you're talking about, like he's more communicative. Um, the body language has changed. The child is gravitating towards him and he's comforting the child. So these are steps in the right direction. Well, um, and, and to your point, they even they even set this up in the at the very beginning of the first episode of this season when, you know, uh, the the guy at the Gamorrean Fight Club says this is no place for a child. And that's the point. I mean, that's kind know? of the whole uh, it's almost like, hey, hey, kids, this is the theme for the season. You know, I, it's it's the elephant in the room. He's like, you're telling this story of a man who adopts this child into this environment of bounty hunting. You know, it's like, well, OK, how would that actually work? You know, like like there there are going to be issues. Um, and, and so this episode did a really good job of sort of just taking a giant yellow marker and highlighting the heck out of that. Right. Mm -hmm. um, you bring in this other character who's this parent as well. And, but serves as a contrast, um, opposite extreme, protective, responsible, uh, sacrificial, like you said, um, somewhat panicked and worried, but that, you know, and that could be kind of a parody or a cliche, um, but these are all very feminine, traditional motherly roles. Um, and I think it's really meant to reinforce what Mando is lacking. And, and, and I, so I really wanted to touch on that, but yeah, you were going to say something, Fredo? No, I was just going to say, because it's, it's a continuation of something that we saw in the Sanctuary episode, where um, there's a recognition from Mando that life with him is no premium. He says... 
Life with me is no place for a child as he's looking to dump baby Yoda in with the widow mother that takes a liking to him. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, he also recognizes that bounty hunters and other nefarious stuff is going to keep coming after baby Yoda. I think what we haven't seen and what you're pointing to is we haven't seen any of that intern. No, we've seen we've heard, seen and heard a lot of internal growth from Mando towards the care of Baby Yoda. We just haven't seen it. Like like, okay, be a parent. It's more than just okay. I'm making sure nobody's shooting you down. It also involves keeping you safe, doing a whole bunch of different things, and uh, it's an interesting juxtaposition that they're putting in this episode because they're calling it to action, whereas. The widow from chapter four was in a quiet, stable community. Her child was surrounded by other children. They were relatively safe until he brought the drama and the conflict in with him. Um, it was more having to do now here, he's juxtaposed against a parent who's also on a level like him on the run, trying to keep their child, their children alive. And, you know, they've had their fate sort of in the hands of powers be you know, their control you know dave you yeah, go ahead. you you said um again last last week when we were talking about this and actually the, i think the week before um that we're going to come to it's going to come to a head where it's like you know the choice between baby yoda and this mandalorian type you know he's he's mando's gonna have to make some choices is what you're what i hear there's going to be some kind of either coming together or, or divergence. And I think they're also, they're kind of setting this up by making baby Yoda such a little, you know, pain, <laughs> pain in the butt. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because yeah. like you said, it's now it's like, you know, where he's running off. He's, you know, he's eating the eggs after I told him not to. And eventually it's going to be, you know, is he going to stop being a bounty hunter and care for this child? and raise this child or is he going to, all right, I, I, you know, like he get, just got a new puppy and he can't keep the puppy. So he's given it to somebody who can raise the puppy. Um, yeah. you know, um, so yeah, yeah. I mean like that's the choice, right? It's he reinforcing to, everything that you've said. Yeah. Yeah. He, he has to learn to become a more complete parent because like, honestly, his feelings in that regard have been laid completely bare at this point. I mean, like, we they'd been hinting at it for weeks, but, like, here we go. Like, now it's, like, you nearly got this creature eaten by spiders. I mean, like, this is, you know, you're, you're not getting it done. Um, so is he going to embrace that role more? Is he going to have to teach himself to learn to become a more complete parent that this child needs? Or is it going to convince him you know, this latest misadventure that will it convince him that like, no, I really, really need to find a suitable home for this child because it ain't me. And I think that's part of the nature of this, of the quest that he's on. That's why he's looking for either the Jedi or uh, baby Yoda species to find out somebody who can take care of them. It just is going to create a juxtaposition of the of his di internal dynamic, meaning when he finds somebody who can provide the stable, nurturing, caring environment, is he going to be willing to part with Baby Yoda at that point? Will Baby Yoda even at that point want to go with anybody else? Again, it's you know you you know you form bonds and it's not as easy to just say okay, 
it's for the better of my child that my child go with somebody else. You don't just do that. So even even if you know up here, it's a as much an emotional reaction, and that causes all sorts of trauma and all sorts of uh, decisions. Well, and so the the other the other element you wanted to talk about, and we'll kind of lead into it. Um, the horror elements of want to make sure I enunciate that. You know, so, <laughs> not the horror elements, but the horror. Um, but uh, like I said, to bridge the two, um, you know, the spider attack really is kind of just, it's, you know, even though, you know, he said it in the last season, how, you know, like you said, Fredo, there are going to be people coming after him. They're going to stuff like that. But the spider attack, it's going to be like, hello, parent. You know, yeah, you know that there are certain things you're going to have to guard your kid from, but there are going to be things that jump out that you're not going to be there and you're, or how, and how do you protect your, how do you prepare your kid or protect your kid from something that you don't know is coming? Like you can, there are certain things you can prep for, you know, like, okay, they're getting of a certain age. These things are going to start happening. There are things I can help guide them through that, but you can't help when, uh, you know, a, a scary dog jumps out from behind a fence you know, or something like that. You know what I mean? Um, and especially if you're not there, it's like letting your kid walk to school by themselves, you know, um, you know, that's, that's a huge, you know, stressor, you know? So, um, but I think those spiders were meant to be, you know, just uh, to hit homes like, Hey, yeah, you can, you know, Mando, you can think far enough ahead, you know, to keep them away from bounty hunters, but there are other things lurking around the corner that's going to be, you know, after this kid and what are you going to do? And the, yeah. And to your point too, earlier, uh, just to re- bring this back up too, it's like he, <laughs> you can't like predict any of this because like he's thinking in terms of like, well, I'm going to do this and it's, this is, it's going to turn out like this. And then you got the baby, like, who won't stop eating the freaking eggs. You know, it's like, you couldn't, he couldn't have predicted that. He might have been able to if he'd watched his kids' eating habits over the course of the previous episodes and gotten a handle on that. But uh, it was still, like, a major stress point in this episode on, again, am I, am I cut out for this? Do I really want to be putting up with this? Because um, it's like... My God, I'm, I'm. It's it's all going sideways on me. But I'm sorry, Fredo. No, 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 no. Because actually, it kind of goes to what I was thinking. It's, uh, and it goes to kind of what I said about Mando's instincts. His instincts when he gets uh, pulled over by the X-wings is okay. I've made the force be with you and also with you. I've, I've, I've brushed them aside. I've, I've played them off. When they come back that second time, his instinct is to run. Is to hit the afterburners and gun it. Well, it's fight which, or flight. Yeah. I mean, we're true, but the, we're, but we're in Ed Psych 101 here. Yeah. 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 But as a parent, you gotta consider that child that you're driving as well. I mean, I'm sure Dave can tell us there's instances where you gotta go, well, I have children in the backseat of the car. I can't just start drag racing. <laughs> you just put, down a, the you just put a sign in the back of the window and everybody it's just then leaves board. you alone, you know? <laughs> yeah, no, no. But the point is, it's at that instance, his instincts were, oh crap, they're gonna catch me. I gotta run. Never thought, wait a minute, I got a, my own baby that I'm wearing, uh, this frog lady and her babies. He puts them 
on the face of that, on, on the surface of that planet, smashed up the heck, and puts them all at risk of the spiders. That that whole sequence of events happens because he's trying to play it off, and his own, you know, the ingrained instincts that he has say he's trying to save his own butt. Yeah, right. He's not. You know, they're coming for Baby Yoda. They're not coming for the Frog Lady. They're asking about him and his actions. And all he, if all he does is send that ping, maybe they ask him to come with them. Maybe he they don't. But the, his his moment of uh, his thought process was one of I gotta go. And you can even tell that the X Men pilots are like, I want to shoot him. You know, this is, this is not what we want to do. But yet his instincts to fly you know, to run away, which leads to them crash landing and him damaging his own ship and getting into uh, trouble with the spiders. I think what's also interesting is that that moment is, you know, he has to go train. You know, he has to go find out where the frog lady is. And find where she goes with the eggs, which leads to the whole spider sequence. Maybe in a past life, if that had been somebody he was supposed to be ferrying, maybe he leaves them there. Hey, you, you chose to walk away from the ship. You know, I've finished my repairs. I'm out of here. You know, so there's still some changes. But, but I guess what my point is, you're still seeing old Mando pop out every now and again. I haven't tried to run away from the cops with uh, my kid in the car for the record. Yeah, it's a, well, I think you know, it's a bad idea. Good move. Uh, oh. Just as a general thought, yeah, don't do that. But <laughs> but if you ever do, do let us know. So uh, let us know if you end up with giant spiders chasing you. So Dave, <laughs> um, what what elements of this episode when you watched it went? Oh my gosh, I can't show this to my kids. Giant spiders. <laughs> it's, it's and you know, a- it's a hilarious thing. Um, because like there's this episode that's like about parenting and it's in my opinion, the first episode that we've had that I don't feel comfortable showing my kids the episode. And I just through sheer dumb luck, we happened to screen it before we watched it as a family. Um, and it was just, Oh wow. I've been telling everybody uh, who will listen that who hasn't started watching the show and it's like is it okay for kids this that so yeah it's great for kids you know it's very similar to the movies um you know this that and the other and and like now boom like the episode about parenting we have this sort of meta twist now I mean of now I mean to you know to be fair at the beginning it does it does give a rating of TV 14. You know, so I mean, so I, I said, I don't know. I, if I had it, I would always probably recommend it. was kind of like I had a, uh, a friend of mine who was concerned about the Clone Wars, um, showing it to his kid because they watched one episode and they're like a clone trooper, like stomped on another enemy's head and was blowing them away. And that freaked their, you know, kid out. I think right. sometimes because we think, you know, it's Star Wars. You know, that it just, you know, yeah, it makes it all, it's, it's all going to be, you know, just fine. But, you know, um, I mean, there were, there were spooky elements within, you know, the original trilogy and the prequel trilogy, you know, I don't know. Um, We even said it, we even said it when we discussed Clone Wars said, you know, we, you know, we totally recommend Rebels for All Ages, Clone Wars, be mindful that. There's some stuff you're gonna to want to see before you consider whether or not it's appropriate for your kids. Just because, yeah, it's a it's a whole different kettle of fish there. So, so I guess know, you, 
I think I think it brings up a really good point, though, Dave. Is like, do you think that um, that Star Wars as a franchise needs to be a little bit more cognizant of when when they see kids going to Galaxy's Edge, when they see you know you know, I mean, kids have always bought up the toys and everything like that, and because you know, do do they need more than just TV fourteen, you know, violence? to yeah it it, um it's frustrating because it's like up until this point i hadn't had anything um that i i thought was uh too tough for the kids to handle uh and that's been borne out through their reactions to the show is is Um, i'm sorry it's because i and i'm just i'm not trying to be I, i just i'm trying to figure out what it is is it because there's too much, they look too much like a spider that they would see in, like, look, it looks too much like a spider and not some fanciful, you know, crate dragon that we know is not, I mean, I guess what, what made the spiders more, um, more concerning to you than like the crate dragon or other things that in Star Wars, other creatures? I think um, specifically the design of the creatures coupled with the way it was shot. Because they spent all their money on those things. They spent all their special Um, effects money on those things, yeah. Yeah, I mean, it was shot in such a way, too, as illicit fear as well. I mean, it was shot like a horror movie. Um, and And then thirdly, they put the child in direct harm's way. I yeah. put him right in the middle of that. The spider of starts eggs, grabbing his and starts and grabbing all, his head. Yeah, and they all start hatching and they all start coming for the baby. You know, it's it was rough. Um, oh, I was getting flashback to aliens. That's what I was getting yeah, flashback to. Absolutely, and you know, like I enjoyed it. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, like, yeah, you know, you want to up the tension level, I. I, I was doubtful at varying points that they were all going to get out of that thing. Um, but, you know, it's... I I don't necessarily fault them because of what you said, Aaron. It's TV-14. Um, there's kind of a, you know, an understanding up front, like, okay, you know... And I'm not kids. dismissing... I'm not dismissing your concerns either. That's uh, So please, oh, yeah. under, please understand that. I'm not dismissing your concerns no. either. I'm just... Go ahead. But I agree with... Um, it's it's hilarious to me because like I was ready to just like come onto the show and just rail on this right. It's like oh you know this is a show. There's all this Baby Yoda merchandise out in the wild and everybody loves Baby Yoda and now you're scaring our kids to death and it's terrible. And then I thought about the theme of the show, and I thought about how like you know like I'm watching this thing and I'm like wow Mando you're a terrible parent ha 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 Frog Lady you're terrible ha ha ha. And then eventually I get we get to the end of the episode and I'm like, whoa, <laughs> I I'm I'm not so great as I thought I was because I've you know I'm, I had signed off on this and given the green light and said it's appropriate for kids and everything else and um, you know it it may not be and if it, it you know and if that's the tone of the show and it takes a bit of a darker turn. Um, that's a, that's fine, and we'll evaluate it on those terms. I guess I wish I w- would have had a little bit more warning. 
I guess. Like, you know what I mean? like maybe just even a thing at the beginning of the episode that said, like, this episode is especially intense. Yeah, yeah, no, I, you know, they they put things up in the the theater about in uh, Last Jedi how you know there's going to be things that might give you seizures. You know, like yeah, they could have given something a little bit more. Um, but you know, George Lucas also George Lucas kind of got some heat for Episode Three. I mean, that whole you know end of the Anakin yeah. Obi Wan duel that's tough. You know, I mean, mm-hmm. we're we're firmly in PG thirteen land now. I mean, like when you think about Rogue One. Um, you know, they beheaded a guy in a uh, rise of Skywalker <laughs> and mean, show you his head. Yeah. Lumped his head down on the conference table. I mean, like there's things now that are, um, a little more adulty. Um, and so, you know, that you understand that, but it's like, no, this is, this is a straight horror episode. Uh, be warned, everybody. If you haven't watched it yet, and if you haven't watched it yet, that's silly that you're listening to us. But, uh, uh, yeah. But, but, I, but I think, honestly, Dave, I think part of it is it's a primal fear. Yeah. You, don't, you don't need to have fear of spiders explained like you have some of the more advanced grown-up fears. I think everybody grows up with a fear of things with multiple legs and mandibles. It's kind of like... A, like the fear of some people out of snakes or sharks. It's mm-hmm. it's basic. It's primal. It's, it's in our lower brain. You don't need to be told to be afraid of giant spiders who just freak out when you see them. You so. know, and he he has a line when he's you know fixing the razor crest and you know Baby Yoda's trying to tell him that frog ladies you know hit the road, and mm-hmm. he's like, "Why don't you come over here and make yourself useful?" I was thinking actually, is like through this whole thing, I was like, "Why did Baby Yoda like?" whip out some force and you know take out some of these things he's just <laughs> you know it's like you stopped fire in the you know last season you took down a mud horn you know there's something you could have done here instead of just run and cry but anyway um, <laughs> but but that is the other thing too is that you know they had baby yoda you know verbalizing his emotions in this episode you got you know the lovable coos you got the scared you know cries um you know so we're starting to get a little bit more of his you know personality in here too but you know and one thing i'll give george lucas credit for was um you ne- he never endangered children because a kid a kid a kid sitting at home watching the you know the movie um is going to be identify with the the child and if the child is in danger then now i'm in danger um and with anakin in the first movie he always was very careful to sort of like bury him off to the side or put him in the cockpit of the of the ship and you never really felt like this kid is like super super in danger other than maybe the pod race uh sequence where the thing is spinning a little bit and like whoa that's that's rough looking but um, it, with baby, it, it's different. It hits home a little bit differently when you see a child in, endangered, and and I think with Yoda, baby Yoda being endangered. I, it, I mean, you got you got the the scene of Anakin walking into you know the Jedi Council chambers with all the younglings. You know, right. I mean, now that was more suggested, obviously. You know, mm-hmm. and I think. I think, you know, it's it's kind of like the way they, you know, they did the Wampa originally in 
um, Empire Strikes Back. It was always more suggested, and you got a quick you got a quick glimpse of the of the Wampa, and just enough to make you go, eh, you know, but not. Yeah, they didn't have an extreme really? close up of you know all the teeth and gnashing and yeah. you know, of. So yeah, but like I said, they spent all their money on their spiders. Um, I think they yeah, could have. Really? I think they could have gotten some of the same. They could have been a little bit more Hitchcockian, you know, where it's like make the person feel scared without you know just being all up in your face about it. You know, do it more suggestive. Do it, uh, you know, yeah. get things implied. So you're like, oh crud, there's you know this, you know, kind of like have the shadow of you, so you know there's a big spider chasing after him, and not like said show every last tooth in its mouth. I don't know. Yeah, I was going to say, really, the only time that I can think of in the original trilogy that's disturbing is when Luke goes back to the homestead, finds the remain, the burnt-out remains of Aunt Peru and Uncle Owen. That's it. I mean, outside of that, I can't think of another one. Which somebody made but, custom action figures of that, Uncle Owen and Aunt Peru. It was like charred yeah. skeletons. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I remember that. It's like, geez. I mean... You know, think about, but but think about some of the things that we grew up on as well. I mean, you know, Raider, Raiders of the Lost Ark. The last ten minutes of that movie is some of the most. I remember I had a hard time as a kid in the movie theater with that one. Mm-hmm. You know, that oh, well, freaked me out beyond all belief. Um, of course, just we, the last month. No, I was ahead. just gonna say, just the last month. I've been watching. Uh, millennials put themselves on youtube watching poltergeist for the first time i'm freaking out at everything and i'm just going like i saw that when i was seven years old what are you talking about (laughs) so yeah yeah yeah, i mean back then you just go like oh it's pg the kid can see it well gremlins uh it was pg right yeah And, and that movie was a little rough at times so there's there's some other stuff that you can want like ghostbusters you know, like yep. the, there's some moments, some moments in there where you're like, okay, uh, no, this is not appropriate for a child. And uh, oh yeah, listen. my we went to Ghostbusters when I was a kid. My kid brother, man, he just he, <laughs> that movie messed him up. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So yeah, so like I said, oh, this was actually I I really enjoyed this conversation because you know I am you know I'm appreciating this this episode more. Like I said, I think it was, if you were, it, most of the time you could tell anybody, ah, just watch any episode of The Mandalorian and it's, you're going to be like, yeah, in Star Wars heaven. This is not the one to start on. I mean, let's be honest about that. It is, it stands out from all the rest, you know. Um, but like I said, it is, we, we see these scenes, but I still want to see it in the greater context. There, there's got to be, if there's no payoff, you know, if we're not, if we don't continue that theme and continue the struggles like that, we think that we're analyzing tonight, then that's when you can call this a filler episode, you know, that they, because if it's just about, you know, we just wanted to show off some spiders and you could have done that in five minutes and then gotten to the world that you wanted to get to. So, um, but I, but I will say, I mean, maybe this is a good thing for Dave is that in terms of if you, you know, going forward, if you find out that this is an episode the kids can skip and, you know, they don't miss the overall threads and theme of the show, that's a good way to go. Okay, yeah, you don't need to see that right now. You just show next week, this week's episode, yeah. go like, yeah, we're continuing. 
Yep. Any, anything more for the good of the order? I, I, I said that it's my least favorite Mandalorian episode. You know, wh- where do you guys land on your, on scale of one to 10? I guess for me, it'd probably be about a seven. That I mean, I like the opening. There are pieces of it I like. I love seeing Dave Filoni back as uh, Captain. What was what's his name now? I know they gave him his name. Oh, some uh, wolf, wolf something. He, yeah, he had exactly. something to do with wolves. I can't remember. Anyway, exactly. So I, love, I always love seeing Dave Filoni pretending to be an X-wing pilot. That's always going to be a tickle me. Uh, so I'd say about a seven in terms of like whether it's the least liked episode. I don't know. I mean, talk to me after next week and we see. No, you don't, you know, there's, there's 10 episodes. So you said seven. So is, that's your like fourth from the top. If we're saying no, that 10 is 10 is the best, oh, okay. you know, of all the 10 that we've seen so far, where would you, oh, I where would you, you put? Yeah. I, I, I'm sorry. Uh, I was not, I'm not, I was not clear. Well, okay, so. 10, I, I put it out as a one. That's not, if I'm going to go back and watch the Mandalorian, I ain't going to watch the frog lady episode. So that's yeah. going to be the last one I choose. That's a one. Yeah, probably, All right. The, so probably the one for me, the probably the one for me is the egg one from last season. This is too short. So the episode with the jaw was the mud horn. Right. That'll probably be the bottom one. This one probably is like two or three. All right. Dave. Um, I have four or five in the middle somewhere. Mm-hmm. We're all going to have to like keep our running, you know, uh, tally of where the episodes fall. By the oh, way, it's really hard. Like once we get to the end of this thing. Yeah, yeah. Like again, I, I can't evaluate all of them in, in terms of how they rank one against one another until we've seen the whole story. I, I don't know. I can, I can tell you right yeah. now of the, like I said, of the, I of the, if I, if I give you those 10 episodes and it's like you here, you get to pick one. Frog Lady episode is not going to be the one I'm going to pick. You know, I, I, but I'm I'm not saying that it doesn't have value. I'm saying it's my least favorite. Um, by the way, I want to revisit something. Um, the uh, gunslinger. The at the end, the mysterious person with the cape. Mm-hmm. What if that is Moff Gideon? And we see somewhere along the lines in this season, lo and behold, there's Fennec Shan with Moff Gideon. Because I keep coming, I know you guys, we keep talking about the Spurs, but I think sometimes maybe that's kind of a false lead, but he, there was a long cape and he's the only one who was wearing a cape in that whole first season. It's Lando Calrissian. <laughs> could be <laughs> i don't know does, does my does my theory have merit yeah yeah i mean it would make sense i mean if you're looking you know moff gideon has been tracking baby yoda uh mando ends up in tatooine chasing after him so it would make sense that he'd be in there the only question is we're assuming why wouldn't we're, I'm sorry. Also, we're we're assuming that uh, Werner Herzog's character was working for Moff Gideon, and he was the one trying to find. Because why would he get gunned down? So I'm wondering. Moff Gideon is sending other bounty hunters after Baby Yoda. That's why IG Eleven has different orders than you know Mando. Mando. So anyway, I'm, well, I'm, go ahead. 
No, I was just going to say, I was just going to say, because if it was Moff Gideon or if Moff Gideon had been sending people, it would have been an easy line to include when he presents himself at the end of a episode of chapter nine, when he said, or chapter nine or chapter 10, when he starts telling them who he is, how he knows so much about them. He could have said, I've been tracking you down. Uh, I nearly caught you on Tatooine, but you got away from me, that kind of thing. And that could still, know, that oh, could that's still be coming. Could still true, be coming. True, but yeah. Anyway. You know, the other thing I wanted to, I just remembered about this episode. Did you guys find it forced at the end when the X-Wing pilots showed up to rescue them? It, it, it felt, felt weird and awkward to me. It felt very deuce machina. It felt very much, uh, yeah. how will they get out of this? And then, oh, they're not going to have to do it. Somebody's coming for them. I understood it, like, story-wise. Like, they're, they're not going to get themselves out of this mess because he has to learn a lesson, right? Like, you're not going to be able to get yourself out of this mess. Um, but it still felt, <laughs> felt a little forced. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I was not over the moon about any of the X-Wing interactions. I mean, I was kind of okay with the the first one, you know. Right. But, um, yeah, when they came back and they're just picking off spot, yeah, I was like, oh, okay, sure. <laughs> but, Fair well, enough. All right, well, uh, that will conclude another episode of the who that jedi podcast thanks for listening um as always you can find us on what are we on we're on apple Podcasts. we're on um google Podcasts. we're on spotify um we're on podbean did i miss anything on those i think those are the big ones right um so you can find us on uh on twitter facebook you know either the who that jedi page or if you each of us individually um and uh but and you know until then let's uh hope the saints keep keep on a rolling on sunday with the uh, 49ers um ada looks like is going to leave us alone so that's good um Yay. yeah so knock on wood and um i don't know we'll uh, we'll see what the next episode of the mandalorian brings us so until then we will say who dat i'll who I'll say who dat okay way to go who dat <laughs> Where? All right. Cool. Well, you guys have a great week. We'll see you next time. Who's on first? My clunky.